The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well. All right, it's Jets Giants week here, week eight of the NFL season. Giants coming off their second victory of the year. Big week for the Giants to see if they can continue to try to right the ship here. Of course, playing the... uh, the rival New York Jets, and and here to help me uh, break that all down is Big Blue Views Rivka Board. Rivka, how you doing today? I'm uh, I'm doing well. Uh, a little anxious about covering both the Jets and Giants. We we know that uh, you know you you write for for JetX as well as Big Blue View, and and I promised I wouldn't give you too much of a hard time, but maybe a little bit, but. Uh, but but not too much. I, I just I think you're you're the right person to talk to this week as we preview this game. Yeah, there's if there's one thing I could say, I know uh, what's going on with both teams pretty well, um, pretty in depth. So, you know, as much as there's a little bit of a I would say, I don't know, if conflict of interest or just going both ways. Uh, I, you know, I, I can give I try to be as objective as possible in giving the viewpoints of both. Of both teams absolutely so let's uh so let's dive right into it let's talk a little bit about sunday and i guess the first thing you know, we know what the giants injury situation is let's just let's let's just dive into what the jets injury situation is at this point who 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 might they be missing on on sunday well, I mean, they're right there. I guess you could call him the right tackle, although he started the season at right guard. Elijah Vera Tucker's out for the season. So, um, you know, that's one thing. Max Mitchell started at right tackle. Right guard, Joe Tipman, um, based on what Robert Sala said and didn't say, is, uh, I mean, I don't see any chance that he's going to play this week. So that means Wes Schweitzer is playing right guard. Um on the de- defensive side of the football, both DJ Rita and Sauce Gardner are still in the concussion protocol, although they've practiced fully yesterday. Um, but Salah said that they're both good. They, both of them might come down to game time decisions. You know, if they practice fully on Wednesday, usually that means they're going to play. Um, that's that's the, the Jets' main, main injuries that are on the offensive line. 
Yeah, Salah's Salah's playing games with us, telling us that Gardner and Reed aren't going to play. Not when, uh, not when they practice, not when they practice fully on uh, on Wednesday. They'll they'll be playing on Sunday. If they're through the protocol, they'll be playing on Sunday. So I I would just the one thing I would wonder about is I don't see why he would have any reason to play games in that area. He usually plays games in the opposite direction where he claims players are going to play and then they don't because he doesn't want teams to prepare for. Uh, you know, that he wants them to kind of stay guessing in terms of, I, I don't know, you prepare as if the top corners are going to play regardless. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Let me ask you this. You said the Jets offensive line is beat up. We know the Giants offensive line hasn't been good. Jets offensive line hasn't been good either. Which team's got a, a more functional offensive line at this point? Assuming that, assuming that Andrew Thomas doesn't play, because I don't think he's going to play this week for the Giants as he ramps up from that hamstring injury. So it's hard to answer that question only because we haven't seen a lot of the Jets with Wes Schweitzer instead of Joe Tipman. Um, what we saw with Schweitzer last week was not good, but or two weeks ago was not good. But it's it you know Tipman I would say after once Vera Tucker went down was probably their best offensive lineman. So it's it's hard to it's hard to answer that question without having seen all five. Um, I it's also hard to answer that question because Tyrod Taylor makes a difference. You can kind of see it how he makes a difference in terms of just you know getting the ball out and not and things like that. So whereas Zach Wilson has similar issues to Daniel Jones, where holding on to the ball too long, not getting rid of it, um, things like that. So. You know, from a pass pro perspective, I would still say that the Jets offensive line has five um, functional starters across the board, even if they're not great. Whereas the Giants, again, are still starting uh, Mr. Off the Couch. And although, again, he hasn't played poorly, but or at least not that poorly, but they're still starting Mr. Off the Couch. You know, again, it, it, it really varies depending on the game. I would definitely say that up until now, the Giants offensive line has been more of a mess than the Jets. I would agree with that. I, I actually give credit to uh, to Justin Pugh, Mr. Straight Off the Couch, because he's he hasn't been great, but he's that left tackle where he really hasn't been in eight years. And he's playing somewhat functionally, at least in the run game. He and So I give him some credit. But uh, but yeah, he doesn't belong at at left tackle. Let me let me ask you this: you, you talked about Zach Wilson. Are you seeing more from Zach Wilson than you expected? Maybe to see a little better play than you expected to see, you considering what we've seen from Zach Wilson in the past. So, in some sectors of Jets uh, fandom, this is absolute sacrilege to say, but I'm calling it as I see it. The way I see it is he's definitely improved. It's not even a question about it. Um, just consider that his turnover-worthy play rate last year was somewhere in the neighborhood of 5.7%, and this year it's 2.7%. Um, you know, there the, his his accuracy is better. Um, there, you know, he he definitely looks like a more functional quarterback. The problem is that he was coming from such a low bar and such a low spot to begin with that. St- calling him, you know, an improvement is is still not 
enough. Now, if you're talking about as backup quarterbacks is concer- are concerned, he's playing like a certainly a functional backup quarterback. But is he really a starting caliber quarterback? You know, there's been a lot of bad quarterback play around the NFL this year between just young, play, you know, younger players and some of the older players retiring, um, and you know, just different situations. But I don't, you know, in a regular season, I don't, I still don't think Zach Wilson should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So, let me ask you the uh, uh, the other question: Are you buying the uh, the Mike Greenberg ESPN spiel? That Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing again by mid by mid December. Are you buying that that's that that's possible? I mean, the reality from this side of it, when I look at that, is I've had torn Achilles tendons. I know what they are. I know how painful they can be. It's never been done in the NFL to re- to come back that quickly. And the guy's forty years old. So are are you buying? that it's possible that he could play for the Jets by the end of the year? So I'm not really buying it. The one thing I will say is that um, from what I understand, the type of surgery that he had, if he is willing to come back and compromise his mobility somewhat and, you know, and have the Achilles heel in a stretched position, um, it's possible that he could be back for the playoffs or some, you know, if they made the playoffs or at some point in the playoffs. Um, and I still don't think it's likely, and I'm not sure at what level of play he would even be able to function. Um, I would say that a comp- uh, even a severely compromised Aaron Rodgers is still probably better than Zach Wilson. Um, the problem is for Rodgers is that getting out of the pocket is still a big part of his game, even at age 40. So I'm not sure how wise it would be. Um, but again, from what, from what I've, I've heard, because he's, because he's at the end of his career, he could ostensibly choose to sacrifice some longer term mobility or just even the mobility itself to get back on the field. If he thinks maybe the Jets are in a position to, uh, to make a title run. I would assume that would exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Again, I don't think that's overly likely. But it's it's you know, they've gotten through the toughest part of their schedule, so it's theoretically possible. And if you know, again, if he saw it as that they were that they were in a position to do something, maybe he would come back because as, as much as the stats on the Jets' defense aren't great, and they haven't necessarily played as nearly as well as they did last year functionally just the way this team is built and you could see it in a lot of games, what they're missing is that top end quarterback play, which is what they were missing last year too. So theoretically, if he sees it as maybe they could sneak into the playoffs and then make, you know, be one of those teams that makes a run in the playoffs. Yeah, he could, he could try. Um, You know, a lot of the Jets narrative is I wouldn't put anything past Aaron Rodgers. Um, One thing I wouldn't put past Aaron Rodgers either is to um, rush himself back and just tear his Achilles again. So we talked about this in the preseason. We talked about whether the Aaron Rodgers experience with the Jets was was going to end in glory or end in disaster. And, and I have to ask you, you know, first series of the season, he goes down with an Achilles. I mean, does this only happen to the New York Jets? Yeah, <laughs> I think there's no other way to answer that question except yes. Um, it. You know, again, not someone who believes in, you know, I'm not a superstitious person, but it, you know, there's some, you know, legendary curses with Joe Namath and how he just, 
you know, provoked the football gods and things like that. It seems like it must be not only that, but it was literally almost, what was it? 15, it was um, 25 years to the day since Vinny Testaverde um, tore his Achilles in the first game of the season in 1990, or it was, 24 years in 1999 season, the Jets were coming off having having made the AFC Championship the year before, and they were really poised for you know potentially a Super Bowl run. First game of the season, Vinny Testaverde tears his Achilles. Not only that, Vinny Testaverde was an honorary captain and did the coin toss for that first game of the season, Jets Bills, where Rodgers tore his Achilles. <laughs> wow! So it came so it came full circle for the Jets then. Exactly. It's it's just whenever they think they have a shot, it just it just goes down the tubes. What can you do? So let me ask you this. I mean, still the Jets are three and three. They still have a couple of really impressive, sort of I would say unexpected victories this year. You know, week one against Buffalo. Although maybe we're finding out that the Bills are maybe not what we thought they were. At, at four and three and, you know, having lost to New England and almost lost to the Giants and, and and having lost the week one game to the Jets and then beating the Eagles two weeks ago. From the Jets side of things, is is the Jets fan base at this point happy to, happy with three and three? So I'll be honest, there were many who felt that if the Jets were three and three, even with Rodgers, that they'd be golden. Um, because, you know, again, they played Buffalo, they played Dallas, um, you know, they played, you know, they had, uh, they had Philadelphia on the schedule. Like this was, you know, some, like not an easy slate. And we also, you know, it, it just, I think, I think in general, a lot of people, there were some people who even said if they were two and four after six games, that they would be in a good position. So in that sense to be three and three with Zach Wilson under center, I mean, people are absolutely thrilled and really excited. I think maybe a little bit prematurely excited, but nevertheless, very excited. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Rivka, let's talk a little bit about the Jets' defense. And I saw Robert Sala's comments the other day. I mean, what what was it that he said about some of the teams that that uh, that they had played against? He said he didn't care what the scores were. He said he thought that that they had embarrassed some of those teams with their defense. Or what what was the phrase that he used? Do you remember? 
he said that they that they've played some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL and they've embarrassed them all. Yes. And I think that that's probably not a good thing for a head coach to say, but statistically you look at the Jets and statistically their play doesn't match that statement. So what's the deal with this Jets defense? Is it more reputation? Is it more swagger? Is it more talk? Or is it really that good? So I'll I'll be honest. I find their defense extremely disappointing this season, even considering the teams they've played, and for two main reasons. Obviously, they were missing both their top corners in their last game. Um, They were missing Reed in the game before that, too. So, you know, that's that's one aspect of it, you know, the cornerback play. And they also had Tony Adams missed a couple of games. But the part that really disappoints me is their pass rush, specifically off the edge. Um, they really only have one pass rusher who's been doing, you know, a great job. Obviously, he's been doing an otherworldly job in Bryce Huff. I mean, his his numbers are, I mean, almost insane when you look at it. And they've been increasing his workload recently, and he's kept it up. But other than that, they were supposed to have a six-man deep edge rusher rotation, and at least four or five of those guys were supposed to be good pass rushers. And none of the other players have really done anything, and it's really affecting their overall pass rush. And because the Jets don't blitz that often and they try to get home with four, when you don't have um, edge rushers playing that well, it exposes other areas of your coverage, particularly because their safeties aren't have not been playing well in coverage, um, specifically Jordan Whitehead, who to me, their head coach overrates tremendously. So, you know, they did a very impressive job against um, Allen and against uh, Hertz and even, and even Mahomes, even though Mahomes ran, you know, ran all over them. Just in terms of his passing, he really struggled. But at the same time, all three of those quarterbacks threw very inadvisable interceptions. And I'm always of the opinion that more often than not, an interception is more lucky than or fluky than actually forced. I mean, again, you have to watch it because the interception that that uh, hurts through to Tony Adams um, to to basically decide the Eagles game. It looks like a terrible pick, but as Nick Filato pointed out, um, the Jets essentially baited him into that throw. So again, that's that's good defensive scheme. But at the same time, you watch some of the, I mean, some of the picks that Allen and Mahomes threw were just idiotic throws. So, you know, they're getting bailed out a lot by turnovers. And I mean, I've always been generally, you know, you see it, turnovers are fluky and they tend to even out over time. So their their defense is definitely not all it's cracked up to be, at least as of now. So if the Giants are going to have success on offense, I mean, we know the Giants are not exactly an offensive juggernaut. I think they're averaging 12 points a game, which is last in the league. If they're going to have some success offensively, if they're going to score a couple touchdowns, you know, keep this game, you know, score enough points to to reasonably have an opportunity to win it, how do they have success against uh, against this defense? So a few things. First of all, this defense has been the tale of two halves. Uh, first half or two halves. Then the first half, um, they've been playing among the worst in the NFL, and then they cramp they, they clamp down in the second half and they play like their reputation. Um, so it's it, you know I, I I don't really understand why it takes so long to make adjustments. I mean, you would think that you could just do whatever you're doing in the second half 
earlier, but um, the Giants need to come out fast against this team. That's one thing. In terms of how to come out fast, Jets' defense is very susceptible to toss plays. Um, toss plays and then screens, counterplays, draws, things that cause them to over-pursue. So what happens on if you have a toss where a guy comes in motion on one way and you toss it the other way, their numbers, you know, they already have a numbers disadvantage and then their linebackers and safeties tend to take bad angles to the, to the ball. And they, they don't, they're not good at holding blocks to, uh, to, you know, squeeze the play. So teams have had a ton of success on tosses against the jets, especially in the first half. So that's one, definitely one way to beat them. The Salah's defenses have always been susceptible to screens because they're one gapping aggressive, you know, pursuit. So if you just let them rush a passer and then throw a screen over them, numbers wise, you have a big advantage. Um, the same thing applies to draws and delays and things like that. They just, they really struggle with that. Um, and the other one is quarterback runs. I mean, you know, Mahomes got converted some third and really longs with the, with the run. Um, Hertz scored a touchdown. Although I still don't think he actually scored. Uh, we never saw an angle that said he actually scored. They just came back after after commercial and said, oh, actually, it's a touchdown, not a fourth and one turnover. But nevertheless, <laughs> he scored a touchdown on a run. Um, you know, their offense is definitely susceptible to that. And obviously, Taylor is not, you know, he's not the runner he once was, but he's shown that he has, he still can, you know, can get out of the pocket. And the Jets sometimes leave big enough lanes that, even, you know, even Mac Jones was able to run on them to a certain extent. So, you know, that that's another thing to take advantage of is you see the you see that space, take it. So let's put your Giants hat on for a couple minutes here. We've talked about Tyrod Taylor a little bit. Everybody knows, everybody that, that reads Big Blue View, everybody that listens to me knows where I stand on Daniel Jones. I wrote this the other day. I think that for the good of the franchise – Daniel Jones has to be the quarterback when he's healthy. Brian Dable shut down any idea that Tyrod Taylor would be the quarterback when Jones is healthy the other day. I mean, he made it clear that Jones is the starting quarterback. But I get it, all right? I get the fact that what we've seen the last couple of weeks, Tyrod Taylor has done some things better than Jones was doing them. Um Daybowl even said, you know, just hitting his back foot and letting the ball go is one area. Um, I get the fact that that the offense has looked a little bit more functional, although I will say that I also think part of that is Saquon Barkley being there and being healthy, not to mention the fact that the offensive line has played better. I think if you look at the pressure stats, Tyrod Taylor's getting more time from that offensive line than Jones was. So I, I think there are circumstances, but I get the chatter that Taylor has played, that the offense looks better. Um, where do you stand on Tyrod Taylor, Daniel Jones? So I have a, f a few thoughts on that. First of all, um, just from a practical perspective, turning to, to Taylor means what are you going to do next year about Absolutely. a I mean, you still owe, you still owe Jones, what, over 40, you know, 40, 41, 42 million. I don't know exactly how the, how the numbers were split up in terms of cap hit. It could be, it's even higher next year. And in terms of how much money they owe, um, of him, um, next year, and you're not starting Tyrod Taylor next year. 
So you kind of need to figure help have Jones try to figure it out. Um, that's one way I see it. Another thing is if the Giants would game plan for Jones like they have for Taylor, perhaps Jones would look better. I mean, if you think about it, what they've been doing with Taylor this year is a lot of the same things that they've been they did with Jones last year. And he was reasonably successful with it. You know, again, trying to get the ball out, out of his hand, staying ahead of the sticks. Um, you know, again, the Giants were one of the best teams on first and second down at getting getting um, getting more first downs percentage wise. They still had a lot of third downs because they had to take a lot of plays, a lot of, you know, long drives in order to score because they didn't have explosives, but they very often would convert first downs on first or second down. So they didn't have to get to third down. And one of the reasons for that is again, short passing game, um, you know, get the ball out quickly. And that that's kind of how they were able to have some success, even though Jones was pressured like 40, 40 something percent of the time. Um, this year, they just sort of got seemingly got away from that. And that that was part of the issue. Now, the other part is definitely that Saquon wasn't there. Um, I don't think that that's coincidental at all. Jones's career stats show that difference of when Barkley's on the field and when he's not. So I, I think that at the very least, even if you're if you're you know, you think that the Giants, you disregard the thing about next year and you say, you know, if Taylor's playing better, he's the one who should be the quarterback. I think you have to wait and at least give Jones a game to play with Barkley, with an offensive line that's playing a little bit better. And, you know, and, and, you know, with that kind of game plan and then see how he does. I'm not saying he's going to play, he's going to play better, but I'm saying there's definitely a chance of that. And that that's where I am as well. And, and for me, it's about the future of the franchise. As you said, Tyrod Taylor's not the quarterback of the future. He's not the long-term answer. He's on his sixth franchise, I think, and he hasn't been the long-term answer for any of them. That's not going to happen in his 13th season when he's 34 years old. So for the, I think, even if it's just to make a decision as to whether they need to be in the quarterback market in the 2024 draft, Jones needs to play. And I think you're 100% right. Even when Barkley was healthy for the first two games, the Giants basically ignored him for huge chunks of both of those games. They didn't commit to actually really trying to run the football until week six with Tyrod Taylor. And in both of the last two games, you know, Barkley's carried more than 20 times in each one of those games. I think his season high... Before that was 17 in the week two win against uh, against Arizona. I think it makes a, a huge difference. I just think that 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 really you you know we can see that that Taylor has shown us there are a couple of things that Jones needs to do better. But I think it just makes no sense for a healthy Daniel Jones to sit on the sideline. Yeah, no, I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. So. Let's let's go to the other side. We saw the Giants with only five sacks through the first six games of the season. I think early in the season there was there was some some confusion about the way they might have been using Kayvon Thibodeau about whether they about whether they were getting production, you know, from from guys that they needed it from against Washington, against a porous offensive line with a young quarterback, Wink Martindale sort of, you know, turned everybody loose. The Giants had six sacks. 
I think 12 or 13 pressures more or, or hits on Sam Howell. Would you expect to see a very similar, you know, sort of throw caution to the wind and go get the quarterback plan Sunday for the Giants against uh, against uh, Zach Wilson? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the stats, basically what uh, Martindale has done more or less is he's blitzed really heavily against bad quarterbacks and sort of laid off against better quarterbacks. So, you know, particular, particularly to an Allen, he didn't, didn't blitz as much, um, didn't, you know, kind of stayed back and played more coverage. Um, and yeah, but Powell, I mean, he just went, you know, six, seven rushers, whatever. Um, and it worked now. Part of that is that Howell holds onto the ball for forever, but Wilson is not exactly great with that himself. If you've seen him run around in circles um, with a ball and where you're screaming at the screen, just get rid of it, <laughs> uh, which I'm sure Giants fans are familiar with from Jones earlier this year. But um, yeah, I think Wink will do it. the The question really is for you know on on the other side is how the Jets respond to it because. The one thing about the Jets also is that they really only have one receiving target right now. Their second receiver is their tight end, Tyler Conklin, who, again, they, they don't even target him that often. And then really their third option is Brees Hall, their, their running back. Um, they really don't have other receivers. Alan Lazard is, has a very hard time getting open. So when you don't have a lot of fear about you know multiple options getting open – it's easier to definitely easier to send a bunch of men. Now Garrett Wilson is a really good receiver. He doesn't have the stats this year because uh, of who his quarterback is. Um, you know, he still is really good and he could be a game wrecker, but it's just, you know, it's, it's like teams used to do this all the time against the jets and they still do it to a large extent. You play press coverage with a single high safety, which is considered very disrespectful um, in the NFL playing, you know, man press across the board with one safety um, back because it, or even zero. I mean, sometimes, you know, they, they played like, you know, different iterations of, you know, just blitzes and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're like, okay, you go throw it up and find, you know, and, and beat us. And Zach Wilson has shown for the most part that he can't. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think Wink is going to be too concerned about that. I think his biggest concern in this game is going to be Brees Hall as a running back, specifically running the football. So, I expect a lot of blitzing. The biggest question, again, and this was an issue for a lot of last year too, is can the Giants stop the run with all that kind of blitzing? Um, because if you send a blitz and the defense and the offense is running away from the blitz, um, you know that can cause a lot of issues. And we saw we saw it last year. We saw it, I think, earlier this year too at times. Um, so I, I think that that might be a bigger key in this game than whether you know than just just blitzing against the pass because I do think the jet, the jets will commit to the run more. They did it against Denver um, a couple of games ago where they just, they, they ran the ball a lot. And I think that that's going to be their game plan. So I, I, but the, the thing with the giants is if they mess up once, Brees Hall can take it to the house. So I think that that's the thing to watch out for just as much as how the pass rush works. All right, we have reached the point of the show where it's time to to make our predictions sponsored by SB Nation partner DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY 
or text Hope NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling by calling 888-789-7777 or visiting ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources all right rivka miss split giants and jets allegiances miss it's gonna annoy either some one part of your readership or one part of your family or the other no matter which side of this you you come down on in terms of making a prediction what's your pick for sunday how do you see the game unfolding so I think, you know, realistically speaking, and I say this, you know, I think regardless of which team I picked, I wouldn't do it with a lot of confidence because I could just see this game unfolding in many different ways. But ultimately the over-under, at least last I checked at, at uh, DraftKings, was 36 and a half. Uh, I think that it's going to go under. Um, I think it's going to be a, a defensive battle, kind of like, you know, the I mean, really the Giants' last couple of games have been to a large extent. Um, and the Jets, you know, have had several games like that too. Um, ultimately, I do think the Jets are going to come out on top. Um, they're healthier. They do have um, more. They do have more weapons in general on both sides of the both sides of the football, especially on defense. And I also think that um, special teams could make a difference in this game, um, especially special teams penalties potentially. Um, and ultimately I see, I think I put a, I even put a, um, a, you know, a number, a, an actual score prediction in tally site, which I don't usually do or ever do. I put 17, 13 jets. Um, I think, I mean, look, I think that, you know, it'll be 16, 13, 17, 13, 17, 14. I don't think either team is going to go over 20 points. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. I will say this. I have said all week long, the over and under, as you said, that I've seen is 36 and a half and people, if you like keeping your money, if you like making money, your money needs to be on the under because these teams, the giants average 12 points a game. And what are the jets average? Like 14 or 15, something like that. No, a little more 18.8 or 18.6, something like that. But yeah, their combined point total is like, Four or five points under the uh, 36 and a half. Bet the under. But uh, I'm picking the Giants, but like you, I'm not comfortable. I'm not confident. I'm not, you know, pounding my fist on the table and saying, you know, the Giants are absolutely going to win this game. For me, this is a low scoring game, it's a fourth quarter game. It's the kind of game that the Giants won quite often a year ago where it came down to a mistake by the opponent that the Giants took advantage of in the fourth quarter. And I think that's the kind of game that this is. I think it's the kind of game that's going to hinge on a big fourth quarter play, a big fourth quarter mistake one way or the other. Could go either way. And and I'm I'm going to pick the Giants only because I'm – hopeful 
that I don't have to watch Jet, Jets fans celebrating on, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so I try to ignore that part. I, I kind of turn it off after it's over and ignore whichever fan base is celebrating and, you know, just, just soldier on um, because it annoys me from either end. So I just, <laughs> uh, you know, I watch the game. I, yeah, you know, I have my leanings, but then after the game, I'm like, okay, let's move on and concentrate on uh, each team's schedule and each team's division and uh, not, you know, not focusing on each other. Because again, it's once every four years, other than sharing the same stadium and space, they don't really have that much to do with each other. Um, so mm-hmm. to me, it, it should really be a game like any other. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, pay too much attention to that. Who's celebrating after the game, unless, uh, unless people have comments on either side of the aisle and I do have to say that the comments tend to come from the Giants towards the Jets <laughs> rather than the reverse, from my experience. Yeah. But again, I, it could just be that I have more exposure to the Jets fan base than I do to the Giants, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I've been covering the Jets for longer. So that's definitely possible. But that, that's that's just what I see. I, I also have more family that are Giants fans than Jets fans. So, so there's that. But, part. you know, I I put the fan card away. but it is still difficult because I'm sitting in the press box at Giants home games and I'm sitting there and it's still not fun to, to listen to Dallas Cowboys fans at the end of Giants games when, you know, when, when most of the Giants fans are in the parking lot on the way home already or Eagles fans or, or whatever, that is just not, that's not an enjoyable experience. So I'm I'm hoping I don't have that experience on Sunday, but but it, this could go either way. Like I said, I think it's a one-score, low-scoring fourth-quarter game that that hinges on on a big play or a big mistake. Yeah, I do have to point out that the Giants have been more prone to that big mistake than the Jets have this year. Um, notwithstanding a particular penalty that shall you know, that I'm not going to uh, get into detail about that probably <laughs> may have very well turned the outcome of a particular game. But other than that, uh, yeah, for the most oh, part, the Gi- especially because the Jets are one of the have among the most interceptions in the NFL and um, actually this year have been, you know, other than uh, three interceptions against Dallas when the game was already out of reach, um, for the most part, they've you know, they've been, uh, they've done a decent job of protecting the football. So, you know, that that's actually one of the reasons that I think the Jets might, might win is that the Giants are more prone to those mistakes. Rivka, are, are we saying that officials make mistakes on occasion of mistakes, like not calling a holding penalty in the end zone when Darren Waller gets held on the final play of a game against the Buffalo Bills? Are we saying that officials occasionally get things wrong? Yeah, um, you know, I try not to go too too hard on it in uh, in you know you know in, in, as an analyst, but I do have to say that the Jets have not gotten a roughing the passer penalty in twenty one straight games. Wow! <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see if they get one on uh, on Sunday. Rivka, thank you very very much for the time. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.